The Benzinga Cannabis Capital Conference is back. Join the biggest gathering of cannabis investors and entrepreneurs for this exclusive two-day event, April 20th and 21st at the Fountain Blue Miami Beach. This year, we're pulling out all the stops with a revamped lineup of C-suite speakers from across the space, private one-on-one meeting booths, and an exclusive VIP lounge. Go to bzcannabis.com to get your tickets today. Again, that's bzcannabis.com. We can't wait to see you there. Very excited on this Raz Report to have Vinovas CEO, Anthony Jang. Here's a way you can make money, learn about the startup career. This guy has created multiple companies, sold them. People reach out to me for advice on what to do for businesses. No, next you're going to be reaching out to Anthony because he's the man. And I'm here to excited to share a story. Welcome to the show, Anthony. Jason, thanks so much for having me on. It's a pleasure. Thank you for coming on. Um, I know what your platform does, but I before we get, we're going to get into your entrepreneur journey. But I just want you to quickly say what you guys do, uh, Vinovest. What it, what is the business? Yeah, so Vinovest, we are a way for anyone to be able to diversify their portfolios into the asset class of fine wine. So we help people buy, store, and sell uh, appreciating assets like investment-grade wines. How long have you been doing it? Um, business started about 2019, so we are rocking on year three right now. Wow. And how has, it, how has the journey been? It's been pretty wild. I mean, starting a business, uh, we launched actually March of 2020. So if you remember what was happening then, we were heading into a global pandemic, and I remember... The first week me and my co-founder launched the business was when the stock market tanked like, you know, 20, 30%. We looked at each other we were like, holy crap, is this the worst time ever to launch a new investment platform? Um, thankfully, things have uh, pretty much only gone up since. We've uh, been able to amass, you know, tens of thousands of investors who have joined our platform. And uh, the wine market has been doing pretty well as well. In 2020, it's had 17% returns. Last year was around 19%. And this year, we're actually up almost 6% year to date already. Very nice. Very nice. But we're going to get to back to that part of the story. Before Vinovest, let's take us back to like where you grew up, like where you're where you're from. And let's go there. What's what's your story? All right. So uh, born in the Bay Area, but actually spent most of my childhood years abroad. So I lived in Beijing, lived in Hong Kong, lived in Vancouver, um, but came back here for high school, finished up high school in Palo Alto, California, and then uh, started college uh, in LA. And I think that's when my entrepreneurial journey started with my first business, which was a college food delivery startup called Envoy Now. Is that the one you pitched to someone or what's the... Yeah, that's the one that we were connecting about uh, before the show with, with Mark Cuban. Yeah, so so Anthony, while he's in school, pitched uh, a food delivery service. I listened to the pitch, and I had the exact same reaction as Mark a little bit. Like, there's a million food delivery services. I I, I when I I'm 44, so I had one when I was in college. So what was like, you know, what was the core? And Mark kind of gave you a tough time. What happened with that business? So after that pitch night with Mark, um, I had the opportunity to join a fellowship program called the Teal Fellowship. So uh, for those of you who aren't familiar, Peter Teal every single year gives out $100,000 to about 20 students. Um, and it is no strings attached, except 
you have to drop out of college. So um, I got that, I dropped out of school and actually pursued that food delivery startup full time. And over the course of the next four or so years, we we're able to grow that business out to over 20 markets nationwide. We had hundreds of thousands of students using it and we eventually sold that company. For how much? Oh, that is confidential, but we were able to get a really good return for our early investors. Like, so you got a good return. So like more than 2x? Yes, more than 2x. And uh, if it's any indication, many of those investors in Envoy now also back to my current company. You know, so like between 2 and 10x? Yeah. Okay. See, Mark Cuban missed out. Absolutely. Mark Cuban, the reason I met Mark Cuban, and this is my story, in 2006, I reached out to him about a company called Justin TV, which eventually changed the Twitch. Yep. And I had no money, and I reached out to him cold. I'm like, they're looking for strategic investors. So I brought him in. They were going to raise, and he was going to take the round, but then they decided to raise more money at a higher valuation. Mark's like, you're not running it lean. I was going to get like some warrants or something in Mark's deal. Long story short, you know, Mark didn't do the deal. So that would have been a couple hundred million for him. Ooh, yeah, or something like saying, that. I, I was nearly a billion dollar, pretty much a billion dollar exit. It was, and I didn't have anything in it. My, okay. I just cold reached out to Emmett and those guys and Justin. because I saw him walking out of the camera and I reached out to Mark to try to get, you know, and he was going to be in, but then they raised more. So, all right, you guys, you know, Mark has a lot of winners, but the more winners you're going to have, you're going to have losers. When you're in the game, you're going to have winners and losers. There's no doubt, doubt about it. What's easy is to do nothing. And then you have no losers and you have nothing. You know what I mean? So, yeah. and not that he lost on those, just uh, whatever. Okay. Opportunity so, cost. Yeah. Opportunity cost. I was going to say it, but then I was like, uh, I don't know, whatever. Okay. So now let's go. You sold, you, so Envoy now you sold. Um, and then you said, no, what was the other company you sold? Know Your VC? Know Your VC. Yeah. So this was um, around 2017. So if you remember what was happening in Hollywood, it was uh, Harvey Weinstein, right? That was dominating the news and, you know, all the terrible things he did. Um, and a similar story was kind of unfolding in Silicon Valley, where a lot of big shot VCs, um, they were getting called out in the news for pretty much doing the same thing, right? Racial discrimination, sexual harassment. And, um, you know, me just being able to, you know, go through that fundraising process with Envoy now as, as a guy, I definitely did not experience any of it. And it was shocking to me. And talking with a lot of uh, my friends who, you know, were, were female founders or founders from other minority backgrounds. They were sharing some of their stories with me, uh, you know, privately. And I was like, holy crap, these, these stories need to be able to be, um, you know, be out there, but in a way that doesn't hurt the storyteller, right? In a way that can also benefit future founders. So their VC is essentially a, a, like a glass door for rating venture capitalists and angel investors. And just because of the climate of the time, that, that site really blew up pretty quickly. We were getting hundreds of thousands of unique searches a month uh, on entrepreneurs and other investors actually just, just looking to vet out these other um, other VCs and, and angel investors that they were potentially going to work with. Got it. Okay. And so that so, th so then did you sell that company too? Yeah, that one was pretty quick. Like about a year after we started the site, uh, we got a buyout offer and then we took it. Got it, got it, got it. So you you know how to, I mean, were you reaching out or like someone just came to you? That one, we, yeah, we were not looking to sell the company, but um, we also didn't realize that, uh, we also didn't think it was going to be like a 10-year company, right? This was something that really it was me and a few other founders started because we just felt very strongly that 
something like that, like an accountability tool needed to exist. Um, so when we got the buyout offer, it was like, wow, you know, we, we didn't put much money into it. We just put a lot of time and energy and here we're getting a, you know, a pretty good offer to be able to have another company with a lot more resources run it with, with a real large and full-time team. Anthony, is that one still around? Yeah. Now it's called rate my investor. So if you go to ratemyinvestor.com, um, still, I believe the largest database of, of vetted reviews on angels and VCs in the world. So do you remember there was another website and I'm sure you remember cause you were in the space. It was Silicon Valley venture capital. People wrote reviews. It was very like, it got a lot of press. You know which one I'm talking about? Yeah, the funded. That one was. Yeah. The funded. One, I think they had like almost 20 lawsuits against them because they didn't vet the reviews. That was kind of the main problem was that it was pretty much just like a message for it to just shit on VCs. Um, ours was different because we actually spent the time to like fact check every single thing before we put it on and make sure that what we're putting on there was not just complete slander, right? That's, that's what I think led to the funded really getting shut down pretty quickly. So w was that a decent exit for you? Yeah. I mean, with, you know, we maybe spent a couple hundred dollars in, in getting the thing up and we got, you know, this, this wasn't a huge exit for, but you know, by, by VC standards, but by us from a multi your, your sweat equity. Yeah. Sweat equity. You know, we've been working on it and it was, I think above all, just a pretty, pretty great experience because it was something that we wanted to see happen and it's still, it's still around and, you know, hopefully has been, been helping a lot of founders and VCs pick, pick the right partners to invest them in to work with. Okay. And I wouldn't be doing this just by, I know you pitched Mark Cuban and Mark Burnett and then Peter Thiel, you did this scholarship that amazing, that amazing competitive program to get in. Did Cuban and Burnett get in the deal as well? So they offered to invest in the deal, the, the very first deal and as well as the second one. But um, at the time I'd actually gotten, you know, gotten the Thiel fellowship. So I was like, all right, well, this is something that is pretty much a grant free money uh, and don't need to take that dilution because I was a, I was a two person show at the time and didn't have huge burn. You were a smart cookie, man. You were a smart cookie. Okay. Cause you didn't take the dilution. You're, you're, you're 20 years old. Something m most people are being like Mark Cuban, Mark Burnett. I'll take that dilution. I'll raise your dilution. Take more dilution. Right. I mean, you look on Shark Tank, the, the types of dilution these entrepreneurs are taking just to kind of get, yeah, I know. Name is 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 insane. Like I, I it, it, it it is insane. But you have to remember, man, when you haven't done it before, and you think when you get a shark that they're going to spend all this time in your business, they think you, they think you're going to make them into a billionaire, and it sometimes does happen. It sometimes does happen. Yeah. So yeah. it's it's a matter of perspective. When I raised my first round for Benzinga in 2010, like I was shocked someone was willing to give me money. Do you know what I mean? True. That is true. And like. A lot of times you are just like, holy crap, right? And you need that money. It's going to be the lifeblood to even be life or death. And you'd rather have, you know, smaller pieces. And, and sometimes, product. sometimes it's not even the money. It's opening the door to get your, your product in Bed Bath & Beyond. That's true. I think for those, especially those CPG products that are happening right on. The CPG is consumer packaged goods listeners yes. out there. Thank you. Thank you, Jason. Don't yes. want to get too... To up and startup lingo. On. I, I know, I know, I know. So what was it like working with Peter Thiel, my man? Um, so the, the program is pretty awesome. I think the biggest benefit that it gave me was that seeing that 
hey, there are a lot of other young entrepreneurs that have taken an untraditional path and they're kicking ass, right? I was, you know, I was a, going into my sophomore year of college. I was working a ton on the startup and um, everyone around me was just kind of living a normal college life, right? I didn't really feel like I had a community. Um, and joining the Teal Fellowship and being a part of that, I think just gave me that sort of tribe that I needed to feel confident dropping out, right? Or else I would have just been in my, you know, college apartment being alone all the time, trying to kind of build a company. Um, and just, I think, you know, similar to getting a shark on your cap table, right? Just having that name really, really helps because they know that there's a certain quality standard that comes with, you know, becoming a Teal Fellow when, when you're fundraising and talking to A hundred percent. It's the same thing with why a res resume exists, right? You look at, they went to Michigan, they went to Stanford. It's automatically a yeah. way to discern, but it doesn't necessarily mean like they're better, but it automatically is a, a weeding out mechanism. So that, yeah. so that's awesome. It helps. Yeah. Okay. Now we're going to go to something else. Um, so Spencer, we're in chapter two of the story, chapter three. All right. So while you were at USC, um, you had an accident, right? And, um, are you cool talking about that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, okay. it's, it's a part of who I am. Um, so this was actually when I was running, running Envoy now. Um, and this is about almost six years to this day, actually. Um, I had a spinal cord injury and, you know, to, to those of you who don't know what that is, it means that you, you pretty much get paralyzed from wherever in your spinal cord you break. Uh, for me, it was a cervical injury. So this was like up in my neck at the C5 vertebrae. And that meant I couldn't really move anything uh, below my shoulders at first. Um, and that completely changed my life because I was in the ICU for five weeks. I could not move anything, had multiple surgeries and was on a ventilator for almost the next four months. And, you know, talk about having to learn everything all over again, right? I wasn't thinking about my startup or, you know, investors or anything like that. Even though I was in, you know, I was in the middle of raising a round at the time. Uh, obviously that round crumbled, um, but I was in, you know, full on survival mode. I didn't even know if I could go back to doing any of the things I used to love. Um, and, um, you know, recovering and being able to have uh, even the drive to want to do something again, other than stare at the ceiling, being in bed. Uh, it was a really tough time. And I'm really just fortunate to have my, you know, then girlfriend, now, now wife with me. And she was really just my, my everything and helping me realize that like, Hey, Anthony, like, even though, you know, physically you're not the same, um, you know, you're all there mentally. You can still be able to do what you love, which is running businesses. And, uh, you know, you should go back to doing the things that you love. And so, so then during those five weeks or what happened to Envoy now? And what, and just, we'll go there first and then I'll. Yeah. So um, it was honestly almost six months where I was away from the business. My, my co-founders took over, uh, they were running the business in my absence. And, you know, I, I actually refused to look at a phone for, for almost, almost four or five months. Cause I was just fully in denial of what had happened and, you know, was, was in, in the hospital in, in, in our, rehabilitation hospital for, for pretty much the next year. And, and did like mentally, uh, professionally, personally, how did this change you or did it change you? 
Yeah, I mean, I think um, what really helped me really snap back into reality was um, a statistic that my occupational therapist read me. It was, it was saying that 80% of people of spinal cord injuries, they actually never go back to work again. And I was like, holy crap, I don't want to be part of that 80%. You know, I want to just go back to the real world and, you know, be able to live life again, right? My life is, cannot just be in a hospital facility um, doing assisted care for the rest of my life. So um, that's what actually led me to come back to the business. I told, uh, you know, I told my co-founders, like, hey, I'm coming back. I'm still in the hospital. I'm still going to be doing, you know, five to six hours of therapy a day uh, and work on me, but I want to get back to running the business. And, um, you know, that was kind of that, that turning point that kind of gave me a new perspective of being, being incredibly lucky to get to where I was, but the fact that there was still so much more to, to go with the business. And I think that's also what I think helped to drive our company over the next year. Or so we, we got to that eventual acquisition. Okay. No, I mean, more po power to more power to you. I know someone else going through this right now where their mind is all there, but they were used to heavy mobility and, you know, playing basketball, running around and they're confined to a wheelchair. And I know there's new things coming out with stem cells, um, all types of things where you can regenerate nerve cells in the spinal cord, uh, neuroplasty. You've gotten some mobility back in your body as well. Is that correct? And up yeah, I've gotten a little bit back. So like, um, I can definitely like move a few more things. I'm still in a wheelchair today, but um, I'm not completely independent. I still have to uh, have the help of others to be able to um, get along with my everyday. And I think that was honestly a big, big lesson I had to learn was actually to, to ask for help, right? Because like, as you know, as, as a grown ass adult, like you don't do that very often. And uh, uh, it was, it was very hard for me to come to that realization that like, if I wanted to actually have the freedom that I wanted to have in my life, I needed to, I needed to be okay with that. I mean, and it's going to, we're going to get to your, uh, to VinaVest, but that story of asking for help, you, you persisting, overcoming obstacles is something that people, you know, don't do enough and you are the embodiment of it. I mean, obviously, I don't know if you ever get proud of yourself, but you, you, you should be because you could have been a, you know, one of those stats and not only did you go back to work, but you sold multiple companies. You became a director of growth and marketing at Blackfolio FTX. Found you know two companies, investment, crypto, delivery. I mean, it, it, it's pretty damn amazing, Anthony. Wouldn't you say? Yeah, I mean, if you put it that way, it's it's been a pretty crazy ride, and definitely feel pretty fortunate to still be able to do all this, right? Like there is, uh, to your point, a lot of like scientific and technological advances. I'm still pretty hopeful to be able to, uh, you know, be able to recover and, and get better. But um, in the meantime, life is life is pretty sweet. Yeah, I mean, and uh, if I had my soundboard, I don't know, maybe Spencer does it after the fact, I'd be like, doing like dr drums or cheers. Uh, so that it's pretty amazing. So then so this is a question that actually Spencer Israel came up with, because I don't want to steal it. it's a good one. So you do all this stuff, the delivery, investment, crypto, and then you just choose to go um, and you're at Blackfolio. You could have went and bet you know, into crypto. How do you choose next what field to work in or where to build a company in? And this is our lead into, you know, um, being a best. So like, how did you choose to get to wine investing? 
Yeah, great, great question. So Spencer Israel gave it. I, I believe he did. Maybe Asley, but I think it was Spencer. I'm not sure. So All right. So thanks for that question. Um, so I think it was like about five or six years ago, I came across an article in the Wall Street Journal. And it was talking about all these ultra wealthy billionaires and the uh, luxury assets they were investing in that was making them richer and how how crazy the returns of all these assets were. You know, on the top of that list, there's things like wine and whiskey, art, right? The classic cars, rare, rare luxury goods, and all of them had you know really incredible double digit returns over the course of decades. And I was like, holy crap! Like I did not know art had those returns. I did not know wine had those returns. And um, I was like, hey, it, it sounds pretty cool being able to collect and invest in wine. And, you know, the worst that could happen is that I'm, I'm stuck with a bunch of nice wine that I can end up drinking, right? If I'm not getting those returns or pick the wrong wines, was, if that's my downside scenario, it doesn't seem too bad. Um, decide to start collecting wine and realize very quickly why you need to be very, very wealthy. Because I was... I was spending tens of thousands of dollars on things like insurance, custody, setting up the right storage, getting, trying to get into all these like exclusive auctions. And um, it's, it's a ton of barriers to entry that I don't think would be feasible for any average retail investor or any, even like most high net worths, like the amount of work that it takes to actually properly and profitably invest in wine is, is a lot. Um, and I thought to myself, like, that's, that's kind of ridiculous that we're in, you know, we're in 2020, 2022, and this is still the way that you invest in wine. The easiest way to transact wine is to wait two weeks and go in an auction and your market is the people who are in the room, right? That's, it felt kind of silly to me, especially being in crypto where everything is transparent, global, 24 seven, right? Instant. And um, that's actually, you know, part of doing that on the side for a few years and um, realizing that like, Hey, this is something that I'm very passionate about. And I want to give this sort of access that I've sort of developed myself throughout the years. I want to give that to more people. Got it. Got it. Okay. And we're going to get way deeper into this and how people can use, uh, Vinovest as part of an alternative investment strategy, because I, um, maybe we'll do another show because I'm about, I'm opening an account with it. I've already been on it. But I'm going to do some live trades. But you also, on Vinovest, I mean, I'm skipping ahead. You have your sommeliers build an algorithm. So, like, I um, I, I don't even know if Spencer will let me share my screen. I'm going to just break the rules and try to. So, let's see if this works. Okay, hold on. I may get in trouble here. But just bear with me, listeners out there. I think I got it. Okay, I got it. My screen Is my screen shared? I think it is. So, uh, do you see my screen, Anthony? Yeah, I can see that. All right. So we are on. Um, yeah, I hope Spencer's not mad at me, but we're on VinoVest. And um, and here we go. So I can pick a conservative, a medium, an aggressive risk appetite, right? Mm-hmm. So if I wanted to invest $5,000, this is what you're saying that over 10 years would be worth. Is that correct? Yep. Okay. What's this based on? Oh, historical data that you guys have? Yeah. All right. So I, I should do this. So this is a good diversified strategy. Okay. So, um, and it's simple. Like I opened an account um, and I, I was actually on Benzinga and I, I was reading an article about, you know, I opened an account. So how does the process work? You can book a call. 
So there's a lot of stuff that you've done behind the scenes that we need to talk about here, that how you actually pulled this amazing platform off. Did you have to become SEC approved? Like how many years did it take? This is freaking pretty impressive, man. Yeah. So this was, uh, you know, this was just a lot of exploration between me and my co-founder. And we realized that um, even though a lot of people we think would be interested in investing in wine, like, like yourself, for example, most people, first of all, haven't even heard of wine investing and they definitely don't know which ones to pick. So that's why we chose, uh, you know, this product, which is essentially like a, a guided or managed portfolio as our first product, right? Like you pick your risk appetite, you pick, you know, a few other inputs, how much you want to invest and things like that. And then we'll, you know, we'll do all the heavy lifting for you, right? We help you pick the wines. We help you store the wines. We help you show the prices and, and history and, and when you should sell those wines. And we really are the ones to, to be that sort of like educational guide as you start your wine investing journey. Um, so, yeah, go ahead. So why do you think wine is as good as, as good as an alternative investment? So I, I actually came from it from more of a crypto angle, right? Like people love Bitcoin because uh, it's deflationary. It's something that has a very fixed supply. Same with wine in a given year, right? If you release a thousand bottles into the market, uh, you can't ever print more bottles from that same year, right? And wine even takes it one step further where um, in addition to that, people are drinking those bottles every single day. So maybe after year one, that thousand bottles turns into 900. And just given supply and demand, that means that the remaining 900 bottles are just going to be a little bit more scarce and valuable. Uh, on top of that, wine actually ages, right? The profile of that wine actually changes throughout time and people prefer the taste of aged wine. So not only is this product getting more scarce over time, but it's actually changing and, and appreciating into a better product. And those two uh, are really the key drivers of why wine goes up in value uh, when you pick the right one. And to me, those things that seem like very, very simple to understand and something that doesn't really go away, right? Yep. You can only tell, um, you know, what what a, a bottle of wine will taste like, and people are not going to stop drinking wine anytime soon. So let me understand this. So I guess on eBay, I don't know if you can do wine, but maybe you can. I don't know because age. But on eBay, I could buy a bottle of wine, let's say, okay, of Camus, and it can get delivered to me. Maybe you can't on eBay. On your platform, do I invest buy the bottle of wine and you guys just store it, or how does that work? Yeah, so we store it for you by default. Um, you can actually get it delivered to you and drink it if you want, but by keeping it within our uh, storage facilities, it makes selling them much easier, right? Because it's kind of like a, you know, it's kind of like buying a car where like the moment it's off the lot and it gets into like your garage, it, it's massively devalued, right? Because they don't know how you stored it, they don't know what you did to it, and and you could say you have the best seller in the world, or you could be storing it in your attic, right? Um, so. By keeping it in our temperature controlled facilities, that maintains the highest possible resale value. All right. We're, we're with VinoVest CEO, Anthony Jang. Now, the question I have is how many facilities do you have? Are they all over the country or you have one big facility like somewhere? All over the world, actually, because our you know wine has grown all over the world. So if we're buying wine from France, we're keeping it in France. If we're buying wine from Napa, we're keeping it in Napa. And we've do, you have to buy, do you have to buy insurance on this stuff? Yeah. So all of these... Facilities have pretty robust insurance on them because um, what if the wine breaks, right? What if uh, there's an earthquake? What if you know the 
runs out of power and it's no longer temperature controlled. So all of those protections we have in place as part of the VNLS program so that you actually can have asset protection uh, and be able to feel safe as, as a first time client. Okay. I believe that honestly, like that managed option with the wine, I haven't seen that before. Would, would this arguably be compared to the stock market? Like you being the first robo advisor for fine wine? Yeah, I think it's a very good comparison because we do have algorithms behind that that make it a fully automated process. And we're the ones that um, are seeing those and fully being able to manage it for you. Um, of course, we got human experts that do inform and update that algorithm, but it's really that combination to scale such a huge user base while not having to you know, hire a ton of new people. So like, give, give me like a, how many like investors are on the platform? I mean, whatever you can give us data wise so people can understand how this works. Yeah. So I think we're creeping up on 10,000 investors on the platform. Um, and, you know, a lot of them are like yourself, right? They're, they're very much so versed on the investing world. Um, they're investing in other alternatives and they see this as just like their place to park some of their money that doesn't have the same correlation to the other stuff that they're investing in. Okay. And so it's uncorrelated. Now there's a quote you said, you said the main thing separating someone with a hundred million investable assets and a hundred thousand investable assets is not the stock markets. It's access to alternative investments. What do you mean by that? I think access to quality alternatives is really that, that difference maker because anybody can invest in stocks, right? And, uh, you know, you can, you can pick all the same stocks, you can pick all the same cryptos, but still, I think that world of alternatives is where there is so much information asymmetry. There's so much gating, right? It's like not everybody can invest in the top real estate funds. Not everybody can get into the best startups, right? There's, there's, a, there's definitely kind of a, a gate and a barrier there. And it's same with wine right now. Not anybody can invest in best wines in the world because of those reasons of, you know, not, not having access or not having the right storage and things like that. So, you know, with, with VinoVest, we're trying to do our part in helping to change that for, for this asset class. Okay. One of the, the, I get it. One of the new product updates was we got a couple minutes more left, by the way, but we're going to get several more questions in. VinoVest launched a live marketplace to buy and sell wine on February 3rd, 2022. Can you talk a little bit how that works? Yeah, so this is very, very similar to uh, a trading platform, right? People are going to be able to make their own decisions on, hey, um, you know, if I don't want the managed portfolio to to pick those wines out for me, if I, you know, maybe I'm graduating from the managed side, or maybe I'm just a more active type of investor, and I like to make my own picks, um, that's, that's the place for you, right? If you're really betting on the region of champagne, you can just buy all the champagne you want and and be able to have a very concentrated portfolio. Or if you really love this one producer and you think their wine is going to go up, you know, skyrocket, you can just do that, right? It's a more, I think, uh, active experience for for our users. And, uh, you know, so far we've seen a really great response to it. Okay. One of the producers on our show who does the podcast, not the YouTube, she reminded me when I showed the amount of money I was going to invest and what the gains are, the people on the podcast couldn't see that. So can you, Anthony, can you give like a number? So if I invested $5,000 today 
in 10 years, what would you think if, the, if you can't do it offhand, then just tell me like a rate of return that you think I could get over the next year by percentage terms? Whatever. Yeah, so historical rates of return for the wine market have been around just over 10%. So, you know, you can just compound that and do the math where it's, hey, it's a, it's a pretty stable asset. It's something that is going to have minimal drawdown periods during recessions. And it's, it's reliable, right? Wine investing has been around for hundreds of years. It just really hasn't been available to everybody. Okay. So it seems like a no brainer. So yeah, I know you said about 10,000 investors are some accounts like hundreds of thousands of dollars or even millions. Yeah. We have people up on, on, you know, that level. And those are more so like the institutional clients, right? Family offices, RAs, where they're managing large sums of money. Uh, but most people are in the single digit thousands, right? They're just starting out the retail investors. They're looking to put some of their money in their overall investable portfolio into this asset like wine and then kind of build it up over time. Okay. And how does Vino make money? So we make money through our management fees. So this covers, you know, the storage, the insurance and all those protections that we talked about. And for that, that's how we, that's how we monetize. Got it. And so, um, I guess, did you have to become like SEC approved or is it totally outside of that? Like, what does that process look like? Yeah, so this is outside of SEC because we're not selling securities, right? Wine currently is not deemed as a security. It's a collectible. And because we're also not selling shares that represent wine or selling fractional ownership, I think like a lot of the other, you know, real estate or art sort of uh, investment programs are like, um, that makes it so that you're just buying a bottle of wine. You're just buying a case of wine, right? And you can you can drink it too. So that kind of preserves the utility of the wine, which makes it a lot more flexible from a regulatory standpoint. So if I put $100,000 in today and I keep it in until 2025, let's say, um, the money stays with you guys. And then you um, you guys would, if I wanted to sell them, you guys would send the money back basically? Yeah. So we'd sell your wines off to the next person, right? It'd be maybe a retail shop or, or a large, you know, wine distributor, right. For the consumption side of wine. And then you would, you'd get those returns, the Delta between what you paid for and what you got. Okay. So this is awesome. This is awesome. This Vinovest is, I mean, I'm, I will be active on here, but next question is Vinovest. So I, I go to the site, I created my account. How do I fund my account? Uh, pretty much any single, payment option under the sun you can you can write us a check you can pay in crypto you can do credit card you can link your bank account just pay so can i can i do that all online or do i need to call someone no all online so you don't need to talk to anybody you can do that today all right i mean i will i will have an active account when i say active i'm probably going to choose the manage option and i'll probably do like five thousand today or tomorrow and then add another add another and add another and add another and then we should do this interview again in like four months to see yeah, where I'm going. You can, we can talk through some of the wines that we got you and uh, yeah. your returns too. I'm, I mean, I'm definitely doing it. So like, because people like look at stuff like this and they're like, oh, I don't know. It sounds too. I think getting uncorrelated stock market returns is a good thing, especially when you're, the market does go up over time, but it's a good way to diversify. And I look for it all the time. Another fund I was trying to get into is car rentals. You know, people buying cars, rent, like, um, would you guys ever divert? Speaking of that, I know your name is VinoVest, but would you ever uh, um, diversify um, out of wine? 
We absolutely would because we see the same problems in a lot of other physical assets. Um, you know, uh, one that comes to mind is whiskey, right? It's also hard to store. It's also hard to predict the value of. It's also hard to transact. So uh, we're actually starting a whiskey vest pilot program this month where we're allowing uh, clients that you know have been on our wait list to be able to invest in appreciating casks of whiskey, right? Why does a why does a young twenty five year old is worth more than an eighteen year old, right? It's it's that delta in the age and the flavor profile. It's it's very similar to the wine market. And and you build all these businesses because you have, you have like good developers you work with. Are you a coder? I have a zero coding uh, abilities. Um, but we have a lot of great people who do. That's amazing. All right. All right. Did I get most of what we need to cover on VinoVest, that part of the business? Then I have to ask two last questions or three last questions. Let's go into it. All right. Do you have a favorite wine? Oh, that's like, that's really hard for me. Um, okay. I'll say, I'll say a favorite recent wine, um, has been the Vincent Davisat Chablis. Um, so the white wine from Burgundy, super crisp, just goes really well with, you know, cheese, fish, even chicken. Um, and uh, that's one that I've been really enjoying recently. All right. That's good. Now, here's the final, final two is what's your first or worst job? Oh, being a founder, I don't think I've uh, had too many jobs that. It wasn't me. You didn't have a job like at 13. You were at Mickey oh, D's okay, and, okay. and, and the French fries stuck to your nose and stuff. I don't know. It was weird stuff. Yeah, I'll try to think. I mean, my uh, my first internship out of college was um, at, at a VC fund, and it was it was amazing. Um, I worked uh, under Jerry Yang, who was the you know the founder founder of Yahoo. Of Yahoo. Yeah, and uh, you know he has his own family office slash fund. Awesome. I was like a summer associate there. It was it was a ton of fun. That, that is awesome. That is like so. Is he an investor in Vinovest? I wish his his mandate is uh, very much kind of like data cloud stuff like that. Wait, how much money have you raised for Vinovest? Um, we have raised thirteen million today. Love it, love it. Okay, so Jerry Yang was your first uh, internship. That's sweet. My first internship. I mean, listen. If you don't come big, you don't come at all. Look at you, Anthony. That's sweet. I mean. Like, how'd you get that, by the way? That was amazing. I mean, I pulled emailed the firm. It's all, t- it's all it takes. Uh, it's all it takes. It's a cold email. And I, I say a cold email and like two follow-ups. And then you, you know, yeah, that's awesome. So are you still in touch with him to this day? Um, I, I haven't talked to him in the last year or so, but pre-pandemic, I caught up with him and like the managing directors. And yep. yeah, I was, that was okay. a great experience. And Okay, so la- last question is, what advice do you have for people considering investing in some kind of alternative assets like wine? I think um, look at where your portfolio stands today, right? How are you allocated? Are you overweight alternatives? Are you underweight alternatives? And figure out a target allocation, right? You don't need to get there on day one, but you should be able to think about you know, these, um, you know, these investment opportunities and work toward that eventual goal. For example, if you're 100% stocks and you want to get to 20% alternatives within the next five years, then you should make steady progress toward that, you know, every single quarter. So that's, that's my belief. You shouldn't just jump into something all at once. You should have a plan, uh, have an exit in mind and have a goal and be able to just work consistently at it. Got it. Uh, that, that's awesome. That's awesome. And if, if you guys are new 
Tavino Best Benzinga's written about it. It is sweet. I'm 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 opening an account. I am opening an account to today, as you guys saw. I did it live on here. I will have money money in here. I will have Anthony on again either next month or in two months. You'll see my account active in the market. I'm gonna buy some wine, report back to you. I'm gonna start with five thousand, and I would actually like to get to ten thousand at least in April, and then we'll uh, report back. So um psyched to do this this is awesome and uh you know good good stuff man this is this is great and con congrats on uh the success of it congrats awesome. jason it was yeah. awesome getting a chat with you no thanks and, and you're you're an entrepreneur that should be commemorated for overcoming obstacles persistence never giving up and just doing doing your thing because there's not enough of you and people you know complain and you're just doing your thing so if we could ever be more more assistance to you you have a great story to tell and just keep up the sharing that vina vest story uh, i'm long it and uh excited to be investing in wine now awesome no really really appreciate it and thank you there's a ton to be thankful for and Long, long road ahead to be able to build, build what I want to build. Absolutely. None of this is easy. And uh, I, and we know, we know everyone in the audience, Raz Report audience, Benzinga audience, Anthony Jang of VinaVest and his team will do it because they don't know how to say no. They overcome and this will be a huge business eventually. So thank you for coming on. Did you know nearly all stock price changes of 10% or more result from a single news headline? That's right. News headlines have a unique ability to drive stock prices up or down. These news catalysts create trading opportunities every day. All you need is a little help to reach out and take them. And if you're looking to grow your portfolio, it doesn't matter if your investment budget is small or big. An easy-to-read stream of news headlines will increase your opportunities to profit from price changes in the stock market consolidate a knowledge-based investment strategy, and grow your portfolio. All you need is Benzinga Pro and its powerful news alerts, price tracking, and portfolio monitoring to make a positive change in your trading performance. We've already helped thousands of retail traders across the world, and they could not be happier. Increase your market knowledge, boost your exposure to big movers, and make informed trades before major price changes. The opportunities are all around you. Subscribe now, and we'll skyrocket your portfolio today.